by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, come on, hell, the people. Said, I know you came to praise him. I first spoke before the church, uh, and I got to give my testimony about a dream that I'd had. And then I got to remembering just before the service, I never did finish the end of that story. So I thought, well, maybe I'll finish it tonight. And I got to thinking, the end of it is just exactly what we need to go along with tonight's message. You know, we're in a series called, of Daniel. And uh, so let me refresh your mind. I was in this college campus or something, and it was, it, this was a dream. And everything just all of a sudden took a turn for the worse. Earthquakes, steam rising up, smoke, explosions. And it was like the world was going crazy. And so somehow all the Christians knew to go to this train station where it was just a little train like would ride around at Disney World or something, you know, just a, little, a ride, huh? Mm-mm. I'm telling you what I told you last time so I can get to the end. Yeah, but that wasn't the end of it, see? Okay, so, so we're, we all knew we were supposed to get on this train. And knowing that... My, they couldn't get me on the train because I was trying to get everybody else on the train. And I think there's some significance in that. I was trying to hurt everybody up. I was trying to rush people along. Come on, come on, let's get on the train. Here comes my mama at the last minute. <laughs> and I get my mama on the train, you know. And finally they said, either you're going now or you're going to get left behind. So I got on the train, and I'm sitting down, and I look back, and there's my mama. She said, I told you I was going. And so, because <laughs> I didn't think for a while she was going. But she's going, so she was on the train. And so this train heads out of this crazy mayhem of a city, and the next thing you know, we're in rolling green hills, and it's beautiful weather, and no explosions, no earthquakes, nothing. And uh, we get out a good ways, and the engineer pulls it to a stop and says, all right, we're going to get out and stretch our legs for a moment, then we'll go on. And like I told you last week, we got out, and somebody set up a table. We sat around a table, and somebody pulled out a deck of cards. My, my first idea was, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to play cards at this point in the game. You know, I'm not gambling. You know, we're on the way to heaven here. That's kind of significant, too. Anyway, but they dealt me a hand of cards, and I looked at them, and, hey, it was a good hand. <laughs> and I said, I, I started reasoning to myself. You know how you do? You start justifying. Well, I guess it wouldn't hurt to play one hand. I'll, I'll play this one hand, I'll win their money, and I'll give it back to them and tell them how wrong they are. And so that's, I, w I said, hit me with another card, you know, or whatever I did. And when I did, I looked at my hand, and I went to play, lay my cards down, and they were gone. And I think that's about where I ended the story last week. They were gone. And here I was left behind, so to speak. Well, to finish the story, what I didn't tell you is the amount of turmoil that suddenly slapped me right in the face. I mean, I was, oh my gosh, I was panicking, and I just started running around like a chicken with his head cut off, and I didn't know where to go. I was out in the middle of nowhere, and I looked over, and there was a motorcycle laying on its side. And so I went and grabbed that motorcycle, and I kick-started that thing, and I just started going down the highway. Wee, wee, wee. I don't know why. It was a dream. And I'm, I'm in fifth gear, and I got that thing wound out, and I'm going over 100 miles an hour. And I'm telling God, God, you can't leave without me, God. I'm not staying here, God. I, you cannot go without me. And I just threw my hands up in the air. And I didn't care what was fixing to happen either. I was fixing to crash or burn, and he was going to take me. And all of a sudden, I began to lift up to heaven. And God took me. Somebody ought to throw your hands up in there. Sometimes just throw your hands up in the air. That's the, that was the kind of faith. I mean, I was not staying behind. So when you feel like things are getting crazy and you're wondering about your own self, just throw your hands up in the air again. Just to, hey, I surrender afresh. Hoop, there it is. No more me, all of you, daddy. Pick me up, daddy. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 4. I 
Now, how is that relevant to tonight's message? I don't know. No, I do know. Hopefully, you'll see it for yourself. Daniel 4, verse 34. Tonight's message is called God's Chisel. If you're taking notes. Verse 34 says, As this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, so it's King Nebo talking, he looked up to heaven. He said, My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. Now, this is King Nebo, this crazy king we've been watching for the last three chapters, who's done everything pretty much but sound like a Christian. And here he sounds like a Christian, doesn't he? It, why is he finally giving glory to God now? Because of the Shadrach thing? Well, maybe he witnessed how Daniel was able to interpret his dreams and he witnessed the power of God and said, yeah, I'm going to worship that God. Well, he did that for a moment. But then he kind of faded away, didn't he? Well, maybe it was the faith, the faithfulness of God to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire. And he said, man, that's a powerful God, and he's going to get in there with you. That's the kind of God I want to serve, right? Surely that would change him. Uh, not so much. I know what it was. I know what it was. It was he just looked around like many of us should and examined our life and said, well, I got it going on. I'm the king of the whole world. <laughs> he was. The Babylonian Empire ruled the world. He was the king of it. And God had been gracious to him. He had everything his little heart could desire. And most of us living here in America have close to that. Probably, we probably have more stuff than King Nebo did. To be honest, here in America, was that what it was? He just recognized God's goodness and said, yeah, I'm going to change now. I'm going to serve God because I recognize how good. No. <laughs> that didn't do it for him, did it? So what softened this, this egotistical tyrant, this crazy man? If you read the book of Daniel, you, we've already discussed all the crazy things he's done. Who is Nebo? Well, he's clearly a dreamer. Every time we turn around, Daniel's having to interpret one of his dreams, Right? And you know, people don't get dreams for God unless God is intended on using them. And God has raised him, elevated him to this position as king. There must be a plan God has for King Nebo, as crazy as King Nebo is. He's obviously a classic overachiever. You know what I mean? You don't get to be the king of the world by sitting back and waiting for it to happen. You know, a lot of us are overachievers. You know, we, we know we could get to here and be happy, but no, we're not satisfied. We're going to do more just to prove who we are. So he must have been an overachiever if he became king of the entire world, right? He's somewhat of a principled fellow. As strange as his principles may be, his, he, he would make these ludicrous decrees, but he would stick, stick by them. He did throw his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. He didn't want to. But because he had made the decree, he stuck by it. As crazy as his decrees were, he was a principled man. And uh, he's, he's got a, a kind of an extreme personality, wouldn't you agree? And I guess maybe all of us do. It's funny how we look at these characters in the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and, and we can see their flaws, and we can, man, that guy's crazy. But we can be doing the same thing in our life. We can be extreme in our personalities. We can be making crazy decrees and sticking to them and, and, and just acting the nuts. Proverbs 21.2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Now, you'll probably argue with me. <laughs> And if we got in an argument, you'd be thinking you're right, and I'd be thinking I'm right. Why do arguments happen? Because everybody thinks they're right in their own eyes. Nobody's going to give in. 
Rare is the person that will hear somebody else's side of the story and say, I wonder if there's any truth to that. And, and, and instead of immediately lashing out and telling them, no, this is the way it's going to be or this is the way it is, actually listen and humble yourself and say, maybe I could be wrong. I know it's never happened to you that you've been wrong, but it could happen. <laughs> but he says, but the Lord pondereth the heart. You know, you can say you know everything, but God knows the truth. Down on the, on the inside, you know you don't. And we're just blustering. We're making this big appeal. to sh We're overachieving. We're trying to show the world that we know everything. And we build up these walls, and then we, we get this false sense of pride, and, and we become these hard-to-deal-with folks. Amen? And many times we don't realize how extreme and how harsh our thinking is until we're given the license to do as we wish. What does that mean? I mean, we may not know who you are until you have enough money to see what you want to do with your money or enough power to do what you wish in life. I think of a, a basketball player named Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman was a quiet guy in college basketball, soft-spoken, hard worker, I mean, you would have thought, man, this guy has got it all together. But then he gets to the NBA. He's making all that money. He's playing for the Detroit Pistons called the Bad Boys. And they were a bunch of bad boys. They, they would beat up other teams. I mean, they were getting physical fights. They, they were scrappy. And, and, and I can appreciate the way they played, but their attitudes was just like that. And Dennis Rodman just went crazy with all that new money he got from the NBA. He, pretty soon he's all tatted up. He's got... Uh, earrings in both ears. Next thing you know, he's wearing women's clothes. Saying all crazy kind of stuff, talking out of his head, cussing every other word. He, he's, gone, he's gone from one extreme quiet and, and reserved, and you think, hey, that's a nice young man. To somebody that's out of control. Last thing I heard about him was he's hanging out with the dictator over in North Korea. <laughs> crazy. And then I think about somebody like Katy Perry, raised in a church. Mom and daddy, pastors. I can see Katy Perry up on the platform, singing for the Lord. And everybody thinking, oh, she's so sweet. She's going to do so much for God. Man, it, I mean, the whole, I mean, she's beautiful. She's, she's got a voice. She's going to serve God. This is awesome. Then she got a little uh, taste of the music industry. Got a little success. Have you seen her lately? She has denounced knowing God. Says she doesn't believe there's a God. Last I saw a blurb about her posing naked or something, the last thing I saw. Giving up her Christianity to do anything. Talks bad about Christians. See, sometimes... Power and money and success will expose some things in you that you might not even know were there. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about. Sometimes our ugliest side can be revealed by success and power and our, and our flaws just super intensified when they're mixed with human pride. We've got to be careful. Because there's things in us that haven't even been revealed that we don't know were lying dormant in there. And I would tell you, before we go writing off King Nebo and every other character in the Bible as is, is crazy, we need to examine our own selves. And we need to make sure that we don't allow the beast within us to come out. We don't want that old man coming up out of the grave. I know you're saved and sanctified, a lot of people think they're saved and sanctified until, you know, they get some money or, or they get some power. We've got to be humble and consider ourselves lest we fall. Isn't that what the Bible says? Before we go judging others. I don't know why we can't learn from the good times. Why is it people never draw closer to God in the good times? That's why the Bible is always saying rejoice, rejoice, be thankful. That's the way, we're, when God is being good to us, that's when we are to be the most thankful and the closest to God. But it never works out like that. 
If you look at the Israelites, when they, God delivered them out of Egypt with mighty miracles and wonders and, and sustained them in the wilderness for 40 years and did all this stuff for them and showed them across the Jordan on dry land and went into the promised land and possessed houses that they didn't build in the land flowing with milk and honey. They got everything their little hearts desires. And I was thinking, if anybody would serve the Lord, it's those people that's been walking with him and has seen his goodness and he has brought them into this perfect land. But how long does it take before they forget about the Lord their God? And it, they develop a pattern. And it makes me mad to see the pattern. But that's me judging some other, somebody else for doing what I do. When things are going good, I feel like I don't need God. So I just coast. And, the, and you can't coast with God. You're coasting away from him is what you're doing. And so they begin to coast. And then they fall away and they get, fall into sin. And God has to send somebody when they cry out. They cry out for help. He sends somebody to come and rescue them, and they get rescued, and he brings them back up to a great nation again, and then they fall away again. In the good, they couldn't sustain the good times. In fact, it's much easier to be close to God in the hard times because you know you need him. But we lose sight of that in the good times. I wrote this. We usually only respond to the goodness of God when it's contrasted with the extreme darkness we create for ourselves. That's the only time we respond to God's goodness. The Bible says this is the goodness of God that leadeth to repentance, but it's usually contrasted by we're in the middle of the darkness that we've created for ourselves. So what, what brought Nebo to this newfound humility? What was it? Well, if you look earlier in chapter 4, you see he had another dream. And in this dream, there was this huge tree that covered the whole earth. And, and everything on the earth was covered by its shade, and it had fruit, and it stretched all the way up into the heavens. It had fruit, and that people ate from the fruit, and, and everybody was sustained by this tree. And the birds of the air would meet in the tree and everything, and everybody lived under the shade of this tree. But then an angel came down from heaven and said, because of your pride, you're going to get cut down. And they cut down the tree and left nothing but a root and a stump. And then they chained up the stump. <laughs> and Daniel interpreted a dream and he said, because of your pride, King Nebo, you're going to be humbled. God, God, you are that tree that God gave the whole world to. And because of your pride, you're going to be cut down until you humble yourself before God. And, and what happened was King Nebo lost his mind have you ever had like a migraine headache i have or something where you feel like you're losing your mind for a moment i mean we think we're all that and we nothing could happen to us and then the next thing i'm sitting there like where am i at you know it's like you're one breath away from a, a, a stroke or something you realize how fragile life is your sanity well god took away King Nebo's sanity. And he went out and he began to live with the cows and eat the grass and just thought he was an animal. And he said his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his fingernails grew like bird's claws. And for seven years, he was out there with the wild animals and the cows and stuff, eating grass, lost everything. That's why now he's humble enough to say these things about the Lord because at the end of seven years, God came and gave him his sanity back and restored his kingdom and gave him everything back. And he says in Daniel 4.37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. You see, pride is the biggest enemy of the kingdom of God. It's the, it's the thing that, that it's our biggest weapon against God. It's what the devil fell into. It's the, the number one thing that's behind all the other sins. It's thinking that we have to have it our way. Do it our way. We have to get the credit. Pride. And for a lot of us, King Nebo's story is our story. Maybe not every one of you. Maybe, maybe there's people here that saw good, God's goodness and didn't have to get to the end of themselves. 
I applaud you, but not me. I had to come to the end of myself through tragedy, through darkness, through calamity, whatever you want to call it, being cut down to size, rock bottom, the bottom of the barrel, however you want to see it. Before I come to my senses and recognized God's grace, that's why the jail ministry is so fruitful. Because many of those guys or ladies have, have come to the, to the end of themselves and realized, man, I have messed up. We, all, we was all prideful. They, they could have been prideful 10 minutes before they got rested. Now they're looking at 20 years and all of a sudden, uh, I'm so humble. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It would change you when you get cut down. But people usually only turn to God when they've lost their family They've lost their health, they've lost their finances, their home, their hope. They're so stubborn that they won't bend to God's will until there's no other choice. And if that's your story, don't feel bad. That's most of people's story. I would say more people are like that than people that, that are wise enough to come to God without those hard times. But... There's also a scripture that says, uh, he who's forgiven much loves much. So I know how much I had done and how much I had gotten myself into trouble. So when I did come to Jesus, oh, that's why I love him so much. See, I love him more than all of y'all put together. <laughs> I, love, I love me some Jesus. I'm not saying that everything that bad happens is God, Okay. Some people hear a message like this and they'll think everything, oh, I'm in this position because God's doing it to me. He's cutting me down. No, usually it's just your own sin, the wages of your own sin that led you into the darkness that you're in. God doesn't even have to lift a finger. You're doing it to yourself, okay? And there's two ways to, to go when you find yourself at the bottom. You can either get mad at God and blame him and draw further from God, or you can humble yourself and repent. I think of the two thieves on the cross. One, both of them were cussing him at first, if you study it out. Both of them were throwing insults at Jesus. But somewhere along the line, the one thief said, hey, won't you shut up over there? This guy ain't done nothing wrong. Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And he was saved. He finally come to his senses. But the other guy, reviling Jesus to the very bitter end, while he's on the cross. So there's two different attitudes you can take when you're on the cross. But no doubt, God himself will orchestrate a wake-up call for you if you need one, especially his children. He says in Hebrews 12, 6, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he sets as a child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child is not disciplined by their father. So he will discipline you. He will give you a wake-up call. I know he, he, he's a lot gentler than the devil, though. <laughs> he can be a lot gentler than the devil. I, hadn't, I don't think I've stirred up his harshest punishment yet. <laughs> Thank goodness, please help me, Lord. <laughs> but should he just allow us to continue to succeed in our pride and continue to succeed in our evil ways that we can be comfortable on the way to hell or does or does tough love have to kick in somewhere see it he disciplines you because he loves you same way you do your children you're not doing it because you're you hate them and you're maybe not even doing it because you think they're that stupid or whatever, even if they did something stupid. You love them through it all. But you will discipline them so they won't do it again. If they don't learn discipline in the home, they're going to learn discipline in the penal system or something. Okay? And so God is disciplining us at home so we don't have to learn the hard way. But he will discipline us. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin, and, result, and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. See, godly sorrow worketh repentance, it says in the King James. 
If, if you've been made to feel sorry for the way you've behaved and it helps you to repent, then God's all for that. He, he, you know, godly sorrow that worketh repentance is a godly thing. But if you just get sorry, you know, if you've got the so sorrowfulness of the world on you, and you're just down, and you're not learning anything from it, and it's not drawing you to repentance, that's not God. You know, the worst thing that ever happened to me, I look back now and realize was the best thing that ever happened to me. The thing that led me to Christ was the worst thing that ever happened to me. But because it led me to Christ, now I view it as the best thing that ever happened to me. Only God could make that kind of turnaround. There's nobody else can make that kind of turnaround. We all know that life comes at you fast. You've heard that commercial, right? <laughs> and it's true. Life comes at you fast. Whether it's God's discipline or whether it's just a collision of time, space, and dimension in this fallen world in which you live, time comes at you fast. I mean, uh, the world comes at you fast. And it's, it, it comes at you sometimes fast with good things, sometimes with bad things. Pastor Vickers says we live within ebbs and flows. One day the, the tide's coming in, one day the tide's going out. You've got to learn to live in the, the good times and the bad times. You know, i got to uh, quote Rocky. He said, this world ain't all sunshines and rainbows. <laughs> it's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. Even Jesus got to a place in the course of his life where he said, Father, if there be another way, okay? Even Jesus. He said, in this world you shall have tribulation, John 16, 33. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And there lies the key to life. He has overcome the world, and in him, You've been made more than an overcomer. Did you think we were going somewhere different with this message? Did you think I was going to say that if you will vote for Donald Trump, you will be made more than an overcomer in this? No, we're at a Christian church. It's going to come back to Jesus, you see. It's always coming back to Jesus. <laughs> Trust in Jesus with everything. Letting go of the motorcycle so to speak. You don't know what you're going to do, but you ain't staying here. <laughs> here I am, Jesus. Take me away. Well, somebody wrote a song, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Jesus, take the handlebars. <laughs> Something. But see, you can trust Jesus in the good times and the bad times because he'll be shaping you through it all. Knowing this, that everything is working together for your good because you love him and are called according to his purpose. The good times and the bad times. So you can be in the middle of a bad time and just be joyful. And hallelujah. Good times. Hallelujah. Wake up bad in the morning. Hallelujah. Go to bed happy at night. It don't matter. You can keep joy and peace in the midst of the storm. If you just trust in Jesus, keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. Y'all hear these scriptures, but we don't, I mean, it's like cliches, but we don't live them. He's the author of your life. And he's the one that's going to bring it to the finish. He's bringing you to the finish line. And if you keep your eyes on him... We get our eyes on other things. Our heart starts beating for this new house or this new job, and, and pretty soon we, we hadn't prayed, or some of us get people in our lives. When we know, we know we're supposed to be serving the Lord. We know that we have a destiny and a calling, and we know the time is short, and we let people come in. And get our eyes off of Jesus. If somebody in your life is getting your eyes off of Jesus, they need to get out of your life. Well, they probably won't. You need to get them out of your life. 
Having said this, the Apostle Paul, you remember when he was knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus? He'd been fighting against God, and he got knocked off his horse. I mean, this was a prideful fellow. He was killing Christians. You know, he was persecuting them, turning them over to the jailers and to the torturers and everything. But he got knocked off his horse, and he said, Who is it, Lord? Because when the power of God hits you, you know it's the Lord. It ain't no question who did that. He's like, who, who are you, Lord? He said, it's Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. What was he talking about? Well, one explanation I heard is when they used to put mules in front of a cart in those days, the mules were so muley-headed that they, they didn't want to pull the weight, so they would often kick the cart and tear up the cart. So they got the bright idea they would put pricks in the front of the cart. So when that mule kicked, oh, 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 won't do that no more. And see, that's what Paul, the apostle Paul had been doing. He'd been kicking against the pricks. He was kicking against God when he thought he was serving God. And that's when in Philippians 4.13, we see how it changed the apostle Paul. He said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You know, when I first heard that scripture, I'm like, that means I can jump over the moon if I have enough faith. You know, I just, I, I said all things, I can do all things. But read that in context, you go back to verse 11, you find, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. That's a big key to joy in your life, peace, and the ability to serve God through all things. It's to learn to be content. You don't... It's the desire for earthly possessions and, and all these, the lust of other things and the pride of life that draws us away and enticed by our own lust. He said, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. And I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. So if he's in good times or he's in bad times, it's not affecting him because he's content. He said, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's a full stomach or an empty, plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ. That's the context of this scripture, who gives me strength to go through the valleys and the mountains and the valleys and the ups and the downs. Then in verse 14, it's interesting if you go on, it says, even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So it's good for us when we see someone in the valley to share with them, to help them, to pull them out, help pull them out. That also helps us when we help other people. Thought I'd throw that in. But tonight's message is about this. Stop charting your own course and learn to be led. That's what I'm getting at. Stop charting your own course in this life. Making your own decisions. This is what I'm going to do next. I'm going to do four years of this, and then we're after this, we're going to... Have you discussed this at all with the Lord? Because you know you made him Lord. <laughs> that means the boss. It just takes the pressure off of your life. Because most of your expectations, you put on yourself. The Lord says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we're, we're stressed out to the max because of the expectations we have put on ourselves and, and the course that we have charted for ourselves. So take the pressure off and knowing that his burden is easy. Lay down the weight of your pride, I guess. I don't know. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. That's how you tell. They're not led by their own inclinations, their own plans, and their own charts, and their own maps. But they're keeping their eye on Jesus, and they're led by the Spirit of God. Isaiah 26.3 gives us the, the road map to peace in our life, so we don't have to stress. He said, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is an eternal rock. He humbles the proud, and he brings down the arrogant city. He brings it down to the dust. So you can either 
be riding with Jesus, or you can be proud and ride against him. I want to ride with him. It's not easy to stay on the potter's wheel. Nobody said the Christian life was easy. But let me, let me give you a hint. Life itself ain't easy. Okay, so you're going to jump off the potter's wheel. You're going to fall on the floor, and the world is going to trample you. So you can stay on the wheel and let God's hands get in the middle of you and create something good even though it ain't easy. Or you can just let the world trample you because the world's not going to give you anything. Joy and peace are found where? The Bible says in believing. Trusting. This is about trust. This is about faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's about who you're putting your trust in. Is it your own strength? Or is your strength in the Lord? Is it your own intellect? Or would you rather have the mind of Christ? True success is letting God shape you into what you were created to be. Would you show that video? Somebody get the lights. This is a powerful video, guys. I know we're, we're getting close to time to quit. It's an 11-minute video, but it's going to be probably 11 minutes. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. That you'll never forget. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hi. Whoa, who are you? I'm God, you said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer, that's how it works. Okay, okay, if you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what, I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do, it's a Greek word. Oh, okay, okay, um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters, it's a very short book. Oh, why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh, okay, okay, if you're God, who's gonna win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that, don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up, here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm gonna make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Wait, wait, what are these about? These are the tools I'm gonna use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up, here we go. Okay. Oh, hey God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward, but I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. With the platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I gotta admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? 
I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things or life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish, it's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever gonna hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse, I can't. Oh, my child, in the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both. What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. And chisel away. But just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I wanna be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away, just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know, reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant 
God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child, a father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's gonna be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. That's what we're thinking. What do I do now? What do I do? Like it's always up to us. Maybe you just let go. Maybe you just let go. I think the, maybe the best advice ever given was by Jesus' mother Mary when she said, whatever Jesus says, just do it. Whatever he says, that, do that. You know, we're always looking for a new answer. You know, what does Jesus say? He tells you here, he's the word. So read your Bible. Come to church. Let's, let's talk it over together. Let's keep each other excited. Let's put our abilities into action. Let's do what this word says together. You know, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you every day. Acknowledge His presence. Be thankful always. Rejoice. And again, I'll say rejoice. Sing to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Keeping the line of communication open with God. Praising Him. These are nothing, this is nothing new. You know all this stuff. And we say it over and over for a reason. We need to hear it over and over. But when you're doing these things, that's when you'll hear that still small voice say, this is the way. Walk in it. This is how you do it.
You'll avoid the pitfalls. You'll make the right decision. Some of us haven't heard from the Lord in a long, long time. Our lives have got busy. And they've got loud and too many interruptions, too many cell phones, too many computers, too many apps, too many jobs, <laughs> too many responsibilities. Life isn't supposed to be complicated for us who walk by the Spirit. I wrote this, life is about comprehending the gravity of eternity and not succumbing to the magnetic pull of this dirt heap called earth. It's about understanding the gravity of eternity. What we do matters in all of eternity. Keeping our eyes heavenward, looking unto Jesus. And like he said, there's one phrase that we need to live for and none other. To hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So just, how about we just all let go tonight? Just lift your hands, let go. Wow. Just, it's just freeing sometimes. I was walking out there praying while I go, and I was thinking about it, thinking about, hey, I need to tell that story. I need to finish that up. And then I got to thinking, I just let go. And there's just times when you just got to resurrender. Just remind yourself, it ain't me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Father, I pray over these rich. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.